Well, what should the church be doing? What's the point of the church? Why? What's the church supposed to be doing? Uh, what's the church for? I guess if you asked uh, 10 people, probably get 10 different answers. How would you answer? If somebody said, what's the point of the church? What would you say? We've got a, um, a, a PCC away day coming up in January. We're going to get the PCC and various other leaders of the church are going to go away for the day uh, in January. And part of the purpose of that day is going to be to really be asking the question, what should we be doing? You know, what's our vision? What's our mission? What's our purpose? Um, what, how are we supposed to be going forwards as, in the life of this uh, parish? What does Jesus want us to do? Well, I wonder whether you would say, are we at liberty to kind of come up with our own answer to that question and make our mission whatever we want it to be? Or does Jesus have some thoughts on the matter? Uh, surely another way to ask, ask the question would be to ask, what did Jesus do? What was his mission? Because surely our purpose as a church should be the same as his purpose. Uh, whatever he prioritised should be what we prioritised. Stands to reason. Well, in this, um, this passage, which, uh, where Jesus meets Zacchaeus, Jesus tells us why he came. He tells us what he's all about. He tells us his mission, his vision, his purpose. Have a look down at verse 10. It's an amazing little summary verse where Jesus says, verse 10, the Son of Man, that is himself, came to seek and to save the lost. Why did Jesus come? He tells us why he came. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But what does that mean? What does to seek and to save the lost mean? I suppose if you ran those uh, three very short four-letter words through uh, a thesaurus, to seek means to search out, to find, to chase, to pursue, to follow, to ferret out, to fish for, to sniff out, to track down, to leave no stone unturned. That's what Jesus did. He he was seeking and saving. What does save mean? It means to deliver, to free, to recover, to salvage, to defend, to emancipate, to liberate, to ransom, redeem, unchain and rescue. To seek and to save the lost. In other words, those who are absent, those who are adrift, those who are disoriented or wandering or astray or at sea or off course or wayward or perished or forgotten or dead. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. In other words, Jesus' primary purpose was evangelism. That's a big churchy uh, word, which basically just means to share the good news. Well, maybe there's some good news on the phone. I don't know. Yeah, somebody's phone's ringing. Um, phones on silent might help. Um, Jesus' primary purpose was evangelism. He, Jesus didn't have a, a quiet, private faith, which he kind of kept to himself. Uh, Jesus went after people. He went out there to rescue them because they were lost. So presumably, whatever else the church does, and we do lots of things, don't we? Lots of lovely things, all of which are great. But out of all of the things that we do, surely evangelism, surely going and seeking and saving the lost, that ought to be our number one priority, because that was Jesus' number one priority. But uh, in reality, <laughs> that's quite hard, isn't it? 
sharing our faith. I don't know how you find it. Uh, it's, um, it's pretty difficult. And one of the challenges we face is that actually people don't like to think of themselves as being lost, to put it mildly. Uh, it's rather sort of, I suppose, quite offensive to suggest that somebody who's not a Christian is lost and in need of rescuing and saving, as Jesus says. And yet, here in these verses, we meet somebody who was prepared to admit that they were lost. Prepared to admit that they needed saving. Who wanted to find out more about Jesus. So have a look down at verse 1. This is what Zacchaeus... Uh, this, is, this is Zacchaeus. Verse 1. Jesus enters Jericho. He's only passing through. But a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, I think what's so immediately so interesting and exciting about Zacchaeus was the fact that it says he was wealthy. And yet he was still lost and in need of searching for something. You know, I think we all know, don't we, that, well, money doesn't make us happy. But nevertheless, uh, somebody said, we all know money doesn't make us happy, but we still want to find out for ourselves. Isn't that true? I mean, uh, we sort of can't help but think that actually having a bit more money probably would, would help things somewhat in life. Well, Zacchaeus actually had found out for himself. He got very wealthy. And we were saying last week was all about uh, a tax collector. We said last week that actually tax collecting in the ancient world, it was, it was a bit like a pyramid scheme, to be honest. You collected a certain amount for yourself. Uh, sorry, you collected a certain amount to be paid into the central pot, and everything over above that you kept for yourself. Well, it says here that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. In other words, he was, he was at the top of the pyramid. You know, so he had a big house. He probably had electric gates and uh, farrow and ball paint and one of those boiling water taps. You know, he's got everything he wanted in life. And yet, he's lost. You know, what's he doing up a tree when, he's, when he could have been doing anything? Don't you think, he, you know, presumably it's a nice day, he could have been playing golf. He could have been having lunch somewhere nice. He's got all the money in the world. He could have been entertaining clients uh, somewhere in his, you know, private box at the Formula One. He could have been on a chairlift in the Swiss Alps. You know, he could have been sipping a pina colada in his private yacht in the Caribbean out of a hollowed-out pineapple with a little umbrella in the top. He could have been doing anything. And he was up a tree, wondering, is there something more to life? Could Jesus possibly have the answer. He wanted to find out. He was searching, verse 3. It says that he was wealthy, but he wanted to see who Jesus was. Who is Jesus? That was Zacchaeus' question, and it's a brilliant one. And it's a question that I wonder whether, increasingly, people might be asking today, despite the fact that the church has been in such decline for so many decades, I wonder whether Zacchaeus... You know, what happened to him might be a little picture of what's going on in our world today. I mean, presumably there was a time when Zacchaeus wasn't interested in who Jesus was. I mean, it says he was a chief tax collector, so presumably he's in the second half of his life. It presumably there was a long period of time when he didn't give two hoots about who Jesus was. He was too busy driving around in his, you know, convertible, eating in fancy restaurants. He's not bothered about eternity and asking, who is Jesus? But now he's done all that and he's realised it hasn't satisfied him. And he's wondering, is there more to life than this? And I just wonder whether people today might be doing the same thing. You know, we've had decades of being uninterested in Jesus. Many people just don't care. But now, people increasingly, I think, want to know. Did you know that during lockdown one, 
Obviously, in lockdown, everything had to go online, didn't it? All the churches started doing things online. Well, there was a poll that found out how many people were actually engaging with church online. One poll found out that of 18 to 34-year-olds, which you know, there's not many 18 to 34-year-olds in church in general around the country. Guess how many people, they found out how many 18 to 34-year-olds had participated in online church. They'd watched a service or they'd joined in some church broadcast. A third. A third of young people, much higher than for those who were older. Over 55s, it was only a fifth. But of 18 to 34-year-olds, a third were asking this question that Zacchaeus was asking, who is Jesus? Yeah, they were hiding up their equivalent, their 21st century equivalent of a sycamore tree. Yeah, why, did, why did Jesus, why did Zacchaeus climb up that tree? Presumably he wanted to kind of see what was going on, but without being seen himself. Verse 4 says, yeah, he, he wanted to find out what was going on, so he ran ahead and got to the front of the crowd? No. Yeah, he ran ahead and climbed up a tree so he could just sit back and keep his distance. He was wanted to see but without being seen. Well, that's so easy to do now, isn't it? If you're hiding behind, not up a tree, but behind a screen, as so many people are, they're just asking that question from a distance. Who is Jesus? It's a brilliant question. It was Zacchaeus' question. He was seeking. But the amazing thing is that while Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, actually Jesus was seeking him. Uh, C.S. Lewis um, spoke about when he became a Christian of his own conversion. C.S. Lewis said, Amiable agnostics talk cheerfully of man's search for God. Well, for me, they might as well have talked about the mouse's search for the cat. He was was seeking God. God was seeking him. Look at verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. And Zacchaeus must have thought, oh no, it was the last thing he wanted to happen, didn't he? He was hidden up the tree and Jesus came straight for him and said, Zacchaeus, how did he know his name? Jesus knows everybody's name. He seeks and he saves the lost. He sought him out, that's what Jesus does. Only a few chapters previously in Luke, we saw there was a whole chapter where God is seeking the lost. We're all lost, we're like a lost sheep. And Jesus, the good shepherd, comes to find the lost sheep. But like a lost coin, and like the woman sweeping the house to find the lost coin, that's what God does. Like the lost son, Jesus seeks out the lost. He seeks and he saves the lost. And Jesus found Zacchaeus, and he said to him, verse 5, Come down immediately. I must stay at your enormous house with your electric gates and your fire and ball paint. He's coming round to tea. And Zacchaeus did the right thing. He responded immediately. Verse 6, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Do you know, I think sometimes um, people put off responding to God. I speak to so many people so often, they still think, well, maybe God is there. Maybe he really exists. Maybe Jesus really is the son of God. Maybe he knows me. Maybe he loves me. Maybe he's calling me by name. But they, they kind of delay And they turn this thought over and over in their minds, just play with it intellectually, and then eventually, after having not really done anything about it, the thought kind of evaporates. But the psalm says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Zacchaeus didn't. He opened his heart. He welcomed Jesus gladly. He came down from his tree, 
and, and his, his conversion caused quite a stir. You know what people are like? They started muttering, verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, we said last week that tax collectors were despised. They were loathed in society. Hannah's sister and her husband are staying with us at the moment. They're trying to buy a house. They keep getting messed around by the lawyers, the estate agents. And uh, uh, Hannah's uncle said, apparently last week, said to, um, uh, to Hannah's uh, sister and brother-in-law um, that the very worst people in society are the Taliban. And just below them, you've got lawyers. And underneath them are estate agents. Now, I don't think... Uh, apologies to any lawyers. I know there are some lawyers here and estate agents. Of course, that's not true. But generally, people, they, they, people really didn't like tax collectors in Jesus' day. They were crooked. They were traitors. And yet, as we saw last week, Jesus' salvation is for absolutely everybody, no matter who you are. Just have a look back to the chapter from last week. Same page, but just on the left-hand side, chapter 18, verse 13, Jesus tells the parable of the tax collector who stood at a distance, wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner, And to anyone who humbles themselves, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, Jesus says, verse 14, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost, those who are really lost, including those who society regarded as inferior. Actually, particularly in Luke's Gospel, if you ever read all the way through Luke's Gospel, you, you actually notice that Jesus went out of his way to spend time with people whose society turned their noses up at Tax collectors, sinners, women, foreigners, the disabled, all people who tragically in Jesus' day and still sometimes in ours as well, people regarded as inferior, but not to Jesus. Jesus made it his mission to go out of his way to include those whom society had passed over, including Zacchaeus. His conversion, it wasn't just talk. You know, he had a real encounter with Jesus. He properly turned his life around. I mean, he put his money where his mouth is, didn't he? Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord. Isn't that amazing how he called him Lord? He really got it. I think some people don't quite necessarily realise that. Jesus is our saviour and he's our Lord. He's saviour here, isn't he? Because he came to seek and to save. And in baptism, the question is asked, do you turn to Christ as saviour. In other words, do you, we're going this way, Jesus is saying, come and follow me, and involves turning around, or what the Bible calls repentance. We've got to turn around and follow him, turn to Christ as saviour. But then the next question in baptism is, do you submit to Christ as Lord? And that is what many people are very, very unwilling to do. But not Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said to him, verse 8, look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. Extraordinary. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Now, the biblical law only required him to pay back whatever his ill-gotten gains were, plus a fifth. That was what Old Testament law required. But he paid back four times the amount. The only explanation, surely, was that his heart had been completely changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The polar opposite to the previous guy, who we didn't look at this, 
because the lectionary reading skipped over the rich young ruler at the end of chapter 18. But look at chapter 18, verse 18. Here's another rich guy who had the complete opposite experience. The rich young ruler asked him, oh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, um, give your stuff to the poor and uh, then you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me, just like Zacchaeus did. But when he heard this, verse 23, he became sad because he also was very wealthy. And Jesus said, well, look how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. And everyone goes, well, that's impossible. Who can be saved? And Jesus says, well, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So Zacchaeus was a complete miracle, a complete transformation. A camel had gone through the eye of a needle. A rich man had entered the kingdom of heaven because Jesus Christ sought him out, called him by name, and saved him. He humbled himself. He admitted he was lost. He allowed himself to be found and to be saved by the Lord and the Saviour, Jesus Christ. And verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Don't you want to see that happen in our day? I do. Don't you want to see more salvation come to more houses in Melksham? Think of all the houses in our town. Don't you want Jesus and his message of transformation love to change people's lives the way that they change Zacchaeus's? Surely that should be the mission and the vision of our church. I hope it will be. Well, where does this leave us as we finish? Perhaps this morning we're searching, searching for salvation. Maybe we're um, uh, not online, we're here today this morning, but perhaps we sort of slinked into the service and we're hoping to avoid eye contact with too many people and we're going to slink out again and we're just weighing it all up. And if that's you, I'm so pleased you're here. I hope we're welcoming and we don't make it too awkward and pressurised as you ask the big question of who Jesus is. But if that's the question you're asking, who is Jesus? Well, it's a brilliant question to ask. Come along to Alpha. It's a question we ask on the Alpha course. Who is Jesus? We ask any que- loads of questions, but that's the main one. We've got another Alpha course starting in January, 17th of January, Tuesday evenings in the King's Arms pub, 10 weeks. Come and ask, who is Jesus? Come and search. And we might think, well, he wouldn't want anything to do with me. Not after what I've done not if he really knew me well i think this episode makes clear doesn't it that jesus welcomes everybody he knows us all by name and he includes us well maybe we're up the tree maybe we're on the fence as it were maybe we've met jesus but we haven't responded yet well maybe this is an encouragement to us to come down to welcome him like jesus did today if we're hearing his voice calling us don't harden your hearts. Open our lives to Jesus. Humble ourselves. Allow him to come and find us and to save us, just like Zacchaeus did. He welcomed him with joy. We might think, oh, it'll be miserable. No, it won't. It'll be joyful. Well, there, maybe that we're sitting here and we have been sought out. We have been saved by Jesus. Maybe been a Christian for a long time. Well, I think a question for us is, do our lives display the evidence of having been saved by the Lord Jesus? Is he our Lord as well as our Saviour? Zacchaeus was humbly willing from now on to live his life with a completely different set of priorities. He was endued with a countercultural spirit of generosity, wasn't he? Well, our final hymn that we're going to sing in a moment includes the line, 
Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Are we going to be able to sing that line wholeheartedly with conviction, as Zacchaeus would have been able to? As we're going to be able to join in the Lord's Supper. Uh, The Lord's Supper, the old uh, service language said, was for those who are in love and charity with their neighbours and intend from henceforth to live the new life. Is that our intention? Or maybe we've been at St Michael's for a long time. Maybe we're involved in helping out or serving or leading in some way. Well, is our view of what our church is here for the same as Jesus's? If Jesus's purpose is to seek out and to save the lost, is that what we think St Michael's should be about? Or is it about something else? And if so, does our focus need readjusting?